0: What you got for me, Joey? What's the computer saying we should talk about?
1: What do you do in your spare time?
0: Uh, easy, this podcast.
1: Well, <laughs> have you read anything good recently?
0: Like Roto World articles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so everything of uh, just fantasy football related. All right, I have a good question for you. This is kind of a deep question. All mm-hmm. right, I want I want honesty. What is one thing you would like to become better at?
0: Uh, self control.
1: Self-control. So, like, give me an exa- example. So,
0: like, before I go to the bar and I'm like, all right, I'm going to just have one drink. I want to actually leave after that one drink and not after doing six shots.
1: <laughs> six shots of Patron?
0: Straight up. You already know the vibes. <laughs> all right, hold up. Let, let, me, let me switch up here and give you a couple. All right, Joey, this courtesy of conversationstarter.com, what are you most worried about right now?
1: Real answer? Probably finding <laughs> you know, like a career outside of fantasy football Mm. that I want to do for the rest of my life because, you know, I don't want to get too deep, but like I I want to do fantasy full time and, you know, hopefully I could get to that point in my life where I can, but as it stands right now, I can't. So it's just about finding, you know, what I want to do and what makes me happy.
0: Jeez, dude, that is that's deep. Wow. All right. Yeah. One more then. I will say, man, have some faith. You know, this DFS dose train, no brakes. No brakes on the train. We're going all the way to the top. Final question. If you could invent a holiday, what would it be?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yo, that's a great question. If I could invent a holiday, I would invent. Well, I guess it's already invented, but. I would make it illegal for you to work on Sundays. Mm. I don't know if that can really qualify as a holiday per se. I'm changing the question. I would make Sundays illegal to be worked on. I know, like, if you're Christian or religious or whatever, which I'm not, that, you know, you usually don't work on Sundays either way. But let's be real. Everything is open on Sundays. You can literally go wherever you want on Sundays. I would ban all of that. Everything's closed. Nobody's spending money. You're sitting at home watching football enjoying time with your family don't have to worry about work that's what i would do
0: i respect that you know i've been having to lie to all of my bosses for five years saying how religious <laughs> i am about why i can't work on sundays so it would be nice to not not have to uh you know lie about that to be honest yeah
1: so i guess it would be sundays is an everyday holiday or every week holiday I like that, that. that'd be my holiday that's
0: good that's good What's going on everybody? Welcome to episode 84 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, as always, joined by Joey Carrion. And today, we're bringing you part two of our Redraft Primer. You can find the first episode in this two-part series right on this podcast feed. came out yesterday. We went through some general redraft strategy, Conversations. I know a lot of people are just tuning into the fantasy world now, you know, the casuals out there. We want you to be part of the DFS DOS family, so stick with us. We're giving you some, some general ideas and, and advice that can help you, you know, maybe in, in less pro-centric, you know, large field best ball leagues, but instead in your redraft leagues, you know, your home leagues with your friends and your family. And if you listen to these two podcasts... You're gonna have an edge. It's that simple. So make sure you clear
1: cut edge, clear
0: cut. Oh my god, clear cut. So listen to the one that we did yesterday. You can find on this feed. And today we're gonna keep it rolling. And before we do, Joey, can you just tell the people how they can support the podcast?
1: You can support the DFS Dose by following us on our social medias at the DFS Dose, and we're on Twitter and Instagram. And then you can go ahead and subscribe to us on YouTube and on our YouTube feed you can find myself and ben discussing his quarterback and running back rankings as of right now our discussion for his tight ends and his wide receiver rankings for 2020 will be out sometime next week so go ahead over there watch those videos if you're interested in a deep dive into each position you know you're you're gonna want to subscribe to us on apple podcast follow us on soundcloud and on Spotify, and then we're obviously on Stitcher and Podcast Addict. I know those are the apps that, you know, you, you Android users use. So with this segment, we're using Underdog Fantasy, and, and you want to tell the listeners how they can support us in terms of uh, Underdog Fantasy? Yeah, I
0: mean, look we're We're talking to the underdog behind the scenes, you know a little back and forth, you know, maybe trying to work something out, do some content for them if things go well, and if you would like to see that, if you would like to help us out, help us in our progress through this industry, so that Joey can have a full time job in fantasy like he professed to you that he wants, use code dose d o s e on underdog when you make your first deposit, you don't have to deposit a hundred dollars, two hundred a thousand nah. Deposit five dollars with promo code DOSE, and you know it's not really going to give you anything. You know it's just it's just the kind <laughs> thing to do. You know they're not giving you a crazy deposit bonus. Nah, you're just doing a nice thing for a couple of podcasters, and it would show them that our listeners value, uh, you know, the podcast and value underdog, and you know we would really appreciate it. So if you could do that, it would be awesome. And yeah, you you want to get into this uh, part two of the redraft discussion?
1: Yeah. So resuming our discussion from part one of the podcast where we are currently on round nine and we're discussing players who we do not like and who we like in each of these later rounds so starting with the guy that i'm starting to come around to is debo samuel debo samuel broke his foot however many months ago for the 49ers but they're hoping that he will be ready in time for week one And honestly, it's looking like he's going to be ready. He's currently being drafted as the wide receiver 45, so a low price tag for Debo Samuel. And this is a guy who is very electric when he has the ball in his hands. We saw it all throughout last year. He is a big playmaker, and he is their wide receiver one. And if you can capitalize on getting him at his current ADP, I would advise you to do so if you are listening to this. I know we talked about it in part one, but you know, you could probably get Debo Samuel in no joke, the 12th or 13th round in your home draft leagues, which will even be more of a print fest.
0: I'm going to push back on what you're saying on two fronts, actually. One, I think that Debo Samuel has enough name brand at this point where the casuals out there might actually see him go a little bit higher because they'll be less cognizant of the injuries that he suffered and... The possible, you know, the possibility of re-injury, which I think is what is holding me back from Debo, among other things. I think that this 49ers team is pretty obvious in what they want to do, which is be a run-first team with Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and Jarek McKinnon. And George Kittle, the clear-cut number one option on the team. And then there's just like four other receivers there. Debo, yes, should be the lead receiver there, absolutely. But this injury is one that I would be worried about. I mean, when guys try and rush themselves back... I mean isn't his injury extremely similar if not the same to what kept AJ Green you know on the cusp of returning but he kept you know not making it through I, I just don't know. I think Debo Samuel is a shaky bet to play 16 games, and he's on a run-first team. I don't love it.
1: Definitely some valid points, and I would agree there's some concern. But he will I, I think he'll be pushed down in ESPN rankings, which most of our league mates, I know, will be using come draft day, so I, I think you'll be able to get him at a lower price tag.
0: For me, the guy that I'm liking in this range and I've been coming around to more and more lately is Zach Moss, and the reports out of Bill's camp are just... That Zach Moss is solidifying himself and he's going to have a real strong role. And, you know, I like Devin Singletary. I think that he showed something towards the back end of last year. But, you know, in my heart of hearts, I think that he's a role player. I think that he's a better pass catcher than he is a rusher. And Zach Moss is a guy who some people were really bullish on during the draft process and I think was shocking to fall as far as he did in some ways. So, being that guy who could be a goal line running back. With Josh Allen and the type of options they could run, you know, inside the five and the ten with those two guys, I think it's interesting. And Zach Moss offers that unique balance of you know week to week viability. He's gonna get touches on a week to week basis, as well as you know elite upside if Singletary were ever to go down, and he got the full workload. You know, in this Bills offense, I think would be just amazing for him. So I, I love Zach Moss. His ADP on underdog right now is 96.7 so right there at the top of the ninth round and i think that's a fair price for him
1: i i do like zach moss as well and he profiles as you know a typical workhorse running back in the nfl you know with his height uh speed and all of his uh metrics coming out of college and he does have a very high college dominator 35.7 percent, according to player profiler And, you know, they say any value over 40% is considered excellent for a running back. So he's right on the cusp of that coming out of college. And honestly, you know, with him being a rookie, I don't think it'll happen this year. But maybe next year we could see where, you know, we're taking Zach Moss in the fifth round. And Devin Singletary is the complimentary piece in that Bills backfield. I I do like Zach Moss, and I agree with everything that you said.
0: Least favorite pick, round nine?
1: My least favorite pick in this round is Philip Lindsey. And that's mainly just because, you know, the Broncos did go out and sign Melvin Gordon, who is going to assume touches in that backfield. So I don't think there is any chance Philip Lindsey gets over 250 touches like he did last season. And then I also believe that his red zone role will be severely diminished with melvin gordon there as well and then obviously you know there there's a lot of concern with drew lock and if he could take the next step as a quarterback for the denver broncos um with with all that being said i do not like drafting philip Lindsay in the ninth round and he is a full fade for me especially when you could draft guys with much higher upside in my opinion like Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison a couple picks later.
0: Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I'm a little surprised to hear you say that because I know you're lower than consensus on Melvin Gordon this year. But I think that Melvin Gordon is just such a different class of running back than Lindsay. Yes, he's, you know, really talented, you know, inside the red zone. He's been a strong touchdown scorer across every year that he's been able to play. He's an underrated receiving back as well. And I just, I just love Melvin Gordon. I don't buy the quotes at all coming out of Denver that this isn't going to be a team with a starter and they will be co-starters. No, 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 no. Melvin Gordon is the starter in Denver. And while I am concerned about Drew Locke and the past game options, I think that Denver has arguably one of the best defenses in the NFL. And they will be in a lot of game scripts that, that favor Melvin Gordon off of that alone, whether or not he's efficient, I think he's going to get the work. So I love Gordon. No shot I'm taking, Lindsay. He was my least favorite pick in this round as well. And something you said there at the end is really an interesting, you know, discussion. I think we should have in terms of redraft, and that's whether or not to handcuff. You know, handcuffing I think has fallen out of favor in recent years. You know, five years ago I think handcuffing was looked at as something that. Was optimal and smart. Handcuffing is, you know, basically drafting the backup of one of your starters. And the logic is, you know, if my starter goes down, well, I'm okay. I got some insurance. You know, I draft Zeke in the first round, I'm going to come back and draft Tony Pollard in the 10th round. And then, you know, if Zeke gets hurt, I've still got an RB1. Well, I think that it's kind of fallen out of favor, and I just I'm curious to hear your thoughts on whether you like handcuffing in this day and age, or whether or not there's a different way to go about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it all depends in what type of leagues you're playing in. Obviously, in best ball, you're not, you know, handcuffing your top uh, running backs, um, so you'll never see me handcuff, you know, Tony Pollard if I own Zeke. Uh, in redraft, I guess it's a different story. I, it can be advantageous. I know that a couple years ago, you when Levion Bell, or Le- you drafted Le'Veon Bell, but then you also drafted James Conner, and it did work out in your favor. Yes, yes. Um, Very because unique situation, Le'Veon though. Bell, he held out. Yeah, it, it is a unique situation. And obviously, the holdout, like we could have seen that coming, but it, it does work out sometimes. I'm not handcuffing, I'm not prioritizing handcuffing because I'm not expecting, you know, my top guy to get injured. I'm not expecting Zeke to go down for a long period of time. Uh, so I'm not wasting or I don't want to say waste because they're still valuable, but I, I think I could target other players in the range that guys like Tony Pollard and Chase Edmonds are going in that could be more beneficial to my roster rather than handcuffing my elite RB1 or, you know, low end RB1. If that makes sense.
0: It does make sense. And I've got a lot of thoughts on handcuffing and how to go about it in 2020. But, you know, I'm going to do a little plug here. I actually have a video that came out on drafters today on Friday dedicated solely to this concept. So I would advise you guys to go check that out on drafters fantasy where you can find my full thoughts on the subject. And we can move on right here to round 10. And I'm going to kick it off here with a guy that I absolutely Love, love, love in fantasy this year. And that's Mike Gisicki. Um, Going in round 10, pick 117.3. Gesicki to me is just poised to have a monster season. The targets are available outside of Devontae Parker and Preston Williams, who's returning from injury. I just think that the targets are wide open. They've got a talented rookie quarterback coming in. Tua, who's ahead of schedule, should be seeing significant snaps at quarterback throughout 2020 and rookie quarterbacks lean on tight ends. And Gasicki's just incredibly athletic. You know, he's got, you know, 95 plus percentile scores in speed, agility, uh, you know, 40-yard dash, catch radius. Really every metric that you look at, Gasicki is a lead at it. He's incredibly athletic. And the Dolphins allowed him to run routes out of the slot at basically the highest rate of any tight end. So I'm all about... Mike Gasicki, I've got him ranked as my tight end seven right behind uh, Evan Ingram. And he's my favorite of sort of the next tier of tight ends. And I think that he's just pure value in round 10.
1: Yeah, I think Gasicki is a good pick, especially if you want to wait on tight end and you could target him as your tight end one in this round. Um, Yeah, I like Gasicki a lot. I think he is a very athletic tight end. And that's what you want to target. You want to target the athletic tight end you know, the guys that can separate from linebackers and the guys that, you know, have mismatches against cornerbacks if they line up outside, and Gasicki fits the build of what you look for in an elite tight end one. So.
0: And speaking of the tight end position, I think we're going to get into it here. Who is your favorite uh, pick <laughs> in the 10th round? I think it might be my least favorite, so let's talk about it.
1: Yeah, that. so I uh, have to do it, Ben. My favorite pick in the 10th round. Especially if you want to wait on a tight end. A guy that has tight end one overall upside. Rob Gronkowski, how do you feel about that?
0: I mean, Joey. (laughs) Gronk is a guy that I am so low on this season. I want absolutely no exposure. Going at 109.6 on underdogs ADP is just egregious. This is a guy that I've got ranked as my tight end twenty. I want no exposure to Rob Gronkowski who no does not have tight end one overall upside would be lucky to be considered, you know, in the top 2 most talented tight ends on the Bucks roster right now in 2020.
1: He is easily the best tight end on the Bucks roster. He has his already proven chemistry with brady he is a clear-cut red zone threat so i wouldn't be surprised if he hits 10 touchdowns and i just want to read you something okay Mm
0: -hmm. oh boy
1: you know we we could get into it about coach speak and if we could trust what they say whatever whatever but this is from the buccaneers coaching staff there is no similarities at all to 2018 Gronkowski, said Coach Bruce Arians. He looks like he was five or six years ago before all the injuries. The back surgeries have healed, so he's had a year of healing. He looks to me like he was five or six years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and they also said the veteran also is moving much faster than he, than he remembered during his first couple of practices, and now he feels everything coming back to him day by day, and he appears to not have missed a beat. This is a guy that is arguably the best tight end in NFL history, coming off a year of rest, coming off a year where he got his body right, Mm -hmm. coming off a year where he focused on selling weed to to his fans, selling weed drinks. I respect that. He's going up
0: the rankings by the minute.
1: Yeah. This is a guy who is just a freak of nature. Are we going to bet against one of the best tight ends of all time That all signs are saying that he looks like his former self. He's just going to snap this year. Draft Rob Gronkowski in your leagues and sell to the money.
0: I mean, hopefully when he's looking like his former self, you're talking about three seasons ago in 2017. Because 2018 was no bueno. And I'm just willing to be wrong. No, he said
1: no similarities at all to 2018 Gronkowski. He looks like he was five or six years ago.
0: Well, listen... I'm willing to be wrong on a guy who is 31 years old, injury prone and coming off of a year of retirement, switching teams for the first time in his career. If that bites me, okay, you know, shit happens. But I think all of that cumulatively and without this, you know, veil of Patriots bias that has followed, you know, Tom Brady and Gronkowski for you, even to Tampa Bay, uh, allows me to see that clearly. But, you know, It's cool. Do you want to give me your least favorite guy in round 10 since we just spent a good five minutes on that?
1: Yeah, so my least favorite guy in round 10 is Rob Gronkowski's teammate, and that's Keyshawn Vaughn. Mm. Now, I think we can all agree that Ronald Jones will be the starter, and if you want to hear some Ronald Jones talk, you can go ahead and listen to the first part of this, but Keyshawn Vaughn, from all accounts, has been terrible in training camp so far, and he's going to be delegated... To special teams only he's not even going to touch the field on offense Keyshawn Vaughn just for the reason that he sucks I will not be having any shares of him this year and you should be staying clear of him in redraft if you're listening to this so thank me later
0: yeah I agree with you I'm not going to be drafting any bucks running back and rookies who have missed time in camp it's just a fade for me I'm sorry like this camp is already so so different than any year that we've ever seen in the NFL. And that that time for rookies is incredibly valuable. Keyshawn Vaughn has missed it. He's not an all-world talent that I expect to just, you know, show up and, and dominate and, and prove that he needs to be on the field. As average to below average as Ronald Jones is, you know, I'm not going to say Keyshawn Vaughn is bad. I don't know. I'm not sure that I've ever watched him, you know, run at all. But I don't think I'm going to be seeing much of him running at all this year either. So I'm right there with you. I agree. Let's move on to round 11. And my favorite pick in round 11 is one that, you know, you kind of put me on too early. And I was skeptical at first, but each and every week that's passed over the past few months, there's been more and more buzz growing. And I think that if you can get Damian Harris at pick 130.8 in round 11, I mean, you're sailing to the money, and as our Patriots insider, I'll even defer this to you to talk about why Damian Harris is a good pick, because I know you agree with me.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Why would I not? You know, Patriots fan and all. Uh, All jokes aside, though, Damian Harris is easily the best running back on the Patriots roster, and he's been, you know, arguably the best player in Patriots training camp up to this date, according to beat writers. Um, He can catch the ball. Uh, he's lethal in between the tackles. You know, he's shown that he can carry a workhorse load at Alabama. So he has college production under his belt. He had essentially a red shirt year last year uh, with Sony Michelle being the starter. And then obviously James White. Rex Burkhead there. And I mean I picked somebody else in this round as my favorite pick, just for the sole reason that the Patriots backfield is really unpredictable. Or although Damian Harris might be the best Patriots running back, Sony Michelle did come back today to practice. He was activated off the pup list and was a full participant surprisingly so if sony michelle is there week one ready to go along with james white and damian harris and rex burkhead who's gonna get touches it is it is a very crowded backfield and it could be a situation where you know you could stay away from it but i would take a shot on damian harris i know we've been drafting him all off season. i know i have especially in the 16th 17th round yeah it just depends on your preference but i think he is a solid Zero RB running back to target... If you go that route in your uh, redraft league, so I love Damian Harris this year. There is some uncertainty surrounding the Patriots' backfield, though.
0: There's definitely some uncertainty, and I could see that pushing Damian Harris back down, especially if Sony continues to remain healthy and remain a full participant over the next couple of weeks leading up to the season. I think that that could actually benefit Harris, is regardless of what Sony's doing in practice. I think is a safe bet to miss some time, if not a lot of time this year. But let me just ask you a quick question. I mean, Damian Harris has by all reports and from what we're hearing out of New England, you know, been good at catching the ball, but is he going to have any opportunity to cuz you've referred to him a couple times as the best running back on the Patriots roster, but James White is very very good at what he does, you know, one of the best receiving backs in the league, I think pretty easily, and is that going to cap the upside of Damien Harris or can he still Manage to have, you know, two to three receptions per game in an ideal world and still, you know, get his work on the ground as well. Is that possible for him?
1: Yeah. So I think it's going to be hard for him to have, you know, upside in the receiving game with James White there, who, by all accounts, is, you know, he's projected to have a heavy uh, workload as a pass catcher out of the backfield with Cam Newton, who we know likes to throw to running backs. Uh, So I don't see Damian Harris. Having much upside in the receiving game although he can catch the ball if need be but i guess it's all about you know as an 11th round pick if they give him 12 to 15 touches and maybe one to two catches a game he will instantly provide value and he'll beat his adp just based on his uh touch role so that's my take on damian harris in the patriots backfield but james white is a PPR monster and he looks to have a significant role with the Patriots offense this year as well. So, like I said, it's a muddy backfield, and you know, I wouldn't blame anybody if they just stayed away from it completely.
0: That is fair. We do like to tend away from uh, you know, three to four headed backfields. What stands out to you in round eleven?
1: Yeah, so my favorite player in this round is Chase Edmonds. And I know we've mentioned him a couple times so far in this little uh, mini uh, redraft series. But Chase Edmonds is a guy who is the backup running back for Arizona. If you've never heard of him, if this is your first time uh, listening to the podcast And, and maybe you're not an avid, you know, fantasy football fanatic like Ben and myself, Chase Edmonds is behind Kenyon Drake on the Cardinals depth chart and I just think he has some standalone value I mean they want to give him a role in the Cardinals offense even with Kenyon Drake the projected workhorse there uh so Chase Edmonds is a guy where he's gonna have his role he's gonna be able to catch some balls for you. You know, he could see eight to ten touches a game in the 11th round. And if Kenyon Drake were to go down, I know we've seen him in a walking boot this last week. Uh, who knows how, how much that hurts his fantasy outlook. But if we see Kenyon Drake go down, Chase Edmonds immediately catapults into running back one territory for me. And, you know, we saw last year when the, when the guys in front of him, like David Johnson, missed time. He went off for twenty-seven touches, three touchdowns against the Giants. So he has 30 point upside as a backup running back if Kenyon Drake were to go down. So Chase Edmonds is my favorite pick in this round.
0: Absolutely. Love that. Chase Edmonds, I'm on board as well. He he's just a phenomenal player. And I think that he is going like a round later than some of the guys that I looked at in a similar light. Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, as guys that can have Limited standalone value, but absolute skies the limit is in their, you know, upside scenarios where the guy in front of them goes down and Chase Edmonds is cheaper, which makes him one of the best picks, I think, in that range. So, completely agree with you at that point. And then I'm going to talk about a guy here in round 11 that I am fading fully, and that's Sammy Watkins. Look, you mm-hmm. know, you talked about Miko Hardman in the first episode of this two parter, and I'm going to talk about Watkins here. He is a guy. That at best is the fourth option, I think, behind Hill, Kelsey, and Clyde Edwards-Solaire in terms of, you know, priority in this Chiefs offense. And Sammy Watkins had one good year last year. I think more than 50% of his fantasy production came in week one where he absolutely (laughs) snapped and then was basically a ghost all the way until the playoffs where he finally started to turn it up again. And look... Watkins is a guy who came out of college. All the talent in the world was drafted ahead of every single receiver in the best wide receiver class we've ever seen with Mike Evans and Devontae Adams and Odell Beckham and all these guys. Watkins was supposed to be the best, and it hasn't turned out that way. So I'm sick of giving Watkins chances. He's been in situation after situation that looks good. Yeah, Chiefs wide receiver too. That sounds really appealing, right? But I mean, he was in the Brandon Cooks role in Sean McVay's Rams offense in, in the prolific time there. He did nothing. And he did really almost nothing with the same role last year. I don't see uh, what upside there is in drafting Sammy Watkins. I would rather draft Miko Hardman straight up at ADPs. I'm taking neither of them. So yeah, I guess it's really just a full fade for me for the Chiefs outside of the top three guys in Hill, Kelsey, and Hilaire.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Sammy Watkins story is tragic. This is a guy, like you said, had all the talent coming out of college – uh, he was a prolific college wide receiver at Clemson, and he hasn't eclipsed more than 700 receiving yards in the last three years, and two of those years have been on the best offense in the NFL, which is obviously concerning. I mean, I think it's just time that we recognize Sammy Watkins is, you know, he's a mediocre wide receiver three at this point um, in real life, and he's more like a wide receiver five in redraft a uh, wide receiver six even and you know if if you want to cut him for a guy that has more upside i i would cut him during the season uh this is not a guy that i'm looking to target in drafts he just hasn't shown the ability to produce at the NFL level I just don't understand what is wrong with Sammy Watkins. I
0: mean, there's I, one of the best football articles, like off the field articles that I've read in my life came about Sammy Watkins. I wish that I remembered the writer off the top of my head, but I mean if you just google Sammy Watkins article, it'll come up on Google and it's just uh, incredible. It, it makes you feel bad for him honestly. He talks about some of the demons he went through and going out when he was in Buffalo drinking every night and he thinks that that you know, contributed to the downfall of his career early and the injuries. It's just, it's kind of a tragic story. You know, I feel for the dude on a personal level, but it's just, I'm sorry, in fantasy football, it's a cold, hard numbers game. And in the 11th round, he's an egregious pick and, and I wouldn't make it. So uh, do you want to close this round out here with your least favorite guy in this range?
1: Yeah. So my least favorite pick is Damian Harris's backfield mate, who I just mentioned, Sony Michelle who has an ADP of 135.5 as the running back 51. Now, do I think that he will outperform his ADP if he is the starter for, let's say, 10 games uh, for the Patriots in 2020? Yes, I think he will finish above RB51. Do I think Sony Michel is a good football player? I do not. I will come out and say it. I've said it on previous episodes, Sonny Michelle is not a good running back. Coming out of Georgia, he was projected to be, you know, like this prolific running back, elusive running back that could catch the ball. He's shown none of that. Injuries have derailed his career uh, for his entire, his entire career. Ever since college, he's dealt with injuries every single year and they're the injuries that you don't want your running backs to have the leg injuries, the knee injuries, the foot injuries. He's dealt with all of them. So this is just a guy that I am not targeting. It was an egregious pick by the Patriots back in 2018, and it's an egregious pick in fantasy in 2020. Do not draft Sony Michel. Do not be that guy. I know you, know you might think of his three touchdown games and he has some upside. This is not a good player. He's a guy that could score touchdowns but that's just because, you know, they're one yard out and let's be real, put me in a backfield. I'll be able to score a couple one yard touchdowns too. And I am, you know, not the most athletic human on the planet. So don't draft Sony Michelle, please.
0: All right. I mean, coming from a Patriots homer, I I will take that and I will believe that in my soul. Let's Move on to round twelve here, and I'm going to kick it off with my favorite pick in round twelve, and that's Preston Williams going at one thirty four point six. Absolutely, absolutely yeah, love him. Dude. I, I agree. mean, he started off as you know a rookie last year and was outperforming Devontae Parker up until the point that he got hurt, and then Devontae Parker, you know, really stole the story and finally broke out last year down the stretch after Williams went down. And you know, De- Devonte Parker gets a fat extension, and that's all well and fine. But Preston Williams was equal, if not slightly better, production for the first eight weeks of the season. And he's healthy by all accords. He's back in Dolphins' camp, he's doing well, and he's just going so late. I mean, Devontae Parker is a fifth, sixth round pick, and Preston Williams is a 12th round pick, and that's just wrong. And if that value holds, Preston Williams is just an elite draft day value, and I want all the exposure I can get.
1: Yep, I agree with everything you said. I don't think there needs to be anything more said besides the fact that Tua, the quarterback that the Dolphins drafted with the sixth pick in this year's draft, if he becomes the starter after, let's say, two or three games, then all of the Dolphins' skill position players shoot up for me in terms of like rankings if we were to do them like, in-season. Absolutely. Um, Tua will provide a a clear-cut upside and a clear-cut ceiling that Ryan Fitzpatrick can – he can give these players, but Tua is just a better quarterback hands down. And if if he comes back, if he starts 13, 12, even 11 games, give me all the of Williams – Mike uh, Gasicki, all of them,
0: and I'll transition here to my least favorite pick in round twelve, and that's going to be Blake Jarwin, going at one forty three point three. And look, I just don't see the path to targets. That's really what it comes down to. I think that you know Dallas is loaded with Zeke, who will get some degree of receiving work, and then obviously the elite trio of wide receivers with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and ACD Lamb coming in as a rookie. I just don't see Blake Jarwin having any significant week-to-week target share. I think he might have a couple of big weeks where he catches two touchdowns. But other than that, definitely not a player in redraft that you could imagine starting on a week-to-week basis he's the type of guy who's gonna snap when he's on your bench and then you plug him in and he just completely busts so I'm all out on Blake Jarwin this year
1: I I could definitely get on board with fading Blake Jarwin and redraft I think with Jason Witten now in Las Vegas Blake Jarwin does have some upside as the tight end one in Dallas and there is a lot of competition for targets like you mentioned but being drafted as the tight end 17 i don't think you're expecting him to you know sit around a hundred targets i think we could project for him to have 70 to 80 targets i would project for him to have that uh like i mentioned in the michael Gallup segment mike McCarthy is a coach who likes to favor the passing game more than the running game but uh, i could definitely get on board with a blake jarwin fay due to all the reasons that you listed as well i was just just providing the other side, uh, but I'm kind of, kind of neutral on Blake Jarwin at this point.
0: Okay. All right. Nothing wrong with being neutral, I suppose. Kick us off round 13. What do you like? What do you dislike?
1: Yeah. So my favorite player to draft in round 13 is Paris Campbell. Mm-hmm. He is being drafted as the wide receiver 63 second round pick for the indianapolis colts in 2019 missed most of last season due to an injury and all reports out of training camp on paris campbell points to him having a breakout second year with philip rivers as the starting quarterback now and we could probably project him to play a lot of his uh snaps in the slot which we obviously know philip rivers loves to target the slot. So I I love Paris Campbell this year. He's one of my guys. You can go ahead and find that episode on this feed where Ben and myself give three guys that we are drafting a lot of this year. And Paris Campbell has been one of those guys for me. So he is one of my favorite picks in this round.
0: I agree with you wholeheartedly. I've said, as we've talked about him many times, that I think Paris Campbell is a player whose best... You know, outcome will come post Ty Hilton because I think him and Hilton profile extremely similarly to one another, and that this team is going to use Hilton in the role that Campbell would best flourish in. But I do expect him to make his presence known on a week to week basis and and be an electrifying playmaker when he gets the opportunity this year. So, so I agree with that. My favorite player to target here is going to be a quarterback, actually, and that's Baker Mayfield. And Mayfield is a guy who disappointed last year after the Browns had sort of taken over the conversation of football after they signed Odell Beckham. You know, Odell, Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, Kareem Hunt out of the backfield. I mean, this team is just absolutely loaded and Baker Mayfield was extremely good as a rookie. You know he he had some you know shakiness at, as you would expect with a rookie, but I think we saw everything we needed to that says you know Baker Mayfield can do this in the NFL. Then you know a terrible one and done season with Freddie Kitchens as the head coach, and, and they completely revamped the coaching staff and, and the offensive coordinator and all of that for Baker. So hopefully. You know, sophomore slump is out of the way and Baker can get back on track. And, you know, if this Browns offense were to hit its full potential, I think Baker Mayfield is, you know, top end QB one in his best scenario. So I'm willing to be early on the Baker Mayfield bounce back. And I I want to be in every draft that I can be.
1: I think I'm right there with you in terms of Baker Mayfield bouncing back this year. Um, I think there is a realistic path to him finishing as a quarterback one this year. He is being drafted as the QB 18. So basically a middle uh, QB two. And you can make the argument that the Browns have the most talented offense in the NFL
0: absolutely just in terms
1: of the skill position players there i personally do think that they have the most talent on offense out of any team in the nfl even including the chiefs uh which obviously boosts baker mayfield's stock even more and i think what hurt them and you touch on it a little bit was just the the coaching ineptitude um just terrible coaching last year Freddie Kitchens did not call the right plays. Part of it was Baker Mayfield, and, and some of his struggles were due to him holding on to the ball too long, you know, not taking the necessary shot. Uh But with Kevin Stefanski there now and the Browns coaching staff being revamped, apparently should provide Baker Mayfield with some more stability and some better play calling and hopefully a scheme that fits his attributes and his skill set and hopefully we could see it shine through in his third year so i'm all on baker mayfield with you
0: i like it and while we're here in agreement i believe that we agree on what the worst pick in round 13 is i'll let you tell the people
1: yeah so the worst pick in this round is adrian peterson by far i mean you're drafting an old man what is he 37 you now 50 maybe (laughs) um
0: 35
1: (laughs) being drafted as the running back for This man wants to play four more years in the NFL. No chance. I think he just wants to break the rushing record. But, you know, he's been on the Washington football team for the last two years. And he's gotten 200 plus attempts in each year. uh, Mostly due to Darius Geis being injured. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does hit 200 attempts this year. But there is a guy breathing down his neck that will take over the running back spot that we will get to in a couple of rounds. I don't want to spoil it, but that running back is the best pick. I mean, I think Ben, you already said his name, but I'm not going to say it again until we get there. He's breathing down his neck, waiting to take that starting running back spot from Adrian Peterson in Washington. So, full fade on AP for me.
0: Yeah, Joey, I love what you're saying. Uh, anyways, wink, um. Wink. So- <laughs> So yeah, you know, and and to your point, I wholeheartedly agree. Adrian Peterson definitely chasing those rushing numbers. I mean, he said as much, and you know, I mean, he's still like a thousand yards out from catching up to Barry Sanders at number four. Frank Gore's ahead of him on that list, and this dude's still gonna get a hundred plus touches, playing with the donkey coach and Adam Gase. So. Yeah, I don't know about AP ever making it. Honestly, he would need to play four to five to six more years to catch up to Emmett Smith. So uh, that's going to be a no go. But let's keep it pushing uh, as we are getting into the you know the dog days of this draft. Um, and, and round fourteen, what are you looking at best? or worst pick your choice
1: yeah so I guess my favorite pick in this round is Jarrett McKinnon and I don't want to get too deep into it but I just think he has some upside as a third down back for the 49ers obviously on a team that wants to run the ball and he just does something uh, better than the other two running backs do and like I just said he catches the ball He catches the ball better than Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert as a 14th round pick. I think he could provide you some value in PPR leagues.
0: Agreed wholeheartedly. And the reports out of camp are all strong. He's looking healthy. And, you know, one of the quotes was that he's given something to this backfield that they haven't had in a while. And I think that you can deduce just with some basic reasoning that that is what he's doing as a receiver because he's just in another tier compared to a guy like Mostert who offers nothing and a guy like Coleman who's pretty average, I think, at at you know, receiving the ball and turning that into anything productive. So, yeah, I agree with you, McKinnon. Great, great cheap option as the third running back in San Francisco. And my favorite pick is Teddy Bridgewater. And, uh, you know, I just think that the situation he's in right now is extremely favorable with Matt Rule and, and the way they're gonna try and implement an NFL version of the air raid offense and just loaded with deep threats and capable receivers and, and you know Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson stretching the field with DJ Moore able to play everywhere in the formation, you know, taking a next step as a receiver, becoming truly elite. Ian Thomas is is great, and we haven't even mentioned Christian McCaffrey, who's gonna just boost Bridgewater's numbers across the board. Joey, you know how much I've changed my tune on Bridgewater because I've been, you know, definitely a Bridgewater hater for a long time. But I don't think I've said much of that on the podcast. So as far as the people know, I'm all aboard Bridgewater. So let's keep it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you had an epiphany one draft. And ever since then, you've came around to the idea that Teddy Bridgewater could be a fi- a viable fantasy quarterback. So I'll keep your I'll keep your secret for you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Worst pick in round 14? What do you got?
1: Yeah, I think we're agreeing on the worst pick, and that's Justin Jackson. He was supposed to be the RB2 in LA for the Chargers, and you know that might not even be the case anymore with Joshua Kelly potentially overtaking his role as the RB2 in LA. So it's a no-go for Justin Jackson on me, and I mean you're not really missing out on anything. He is average, I would say. He, he, you know, he's not going to provide you any upside in in these later rounds like some of the other guys that we'll get to. But, yeah, no go on Justin Jackson for yep.
0: me. The reports are that, you know, Joshua Kelly has the edge as the RB2 behind Eckler. And I think that that role is valuable because as, you know, great as Eckler, is it what he does? There needs to be a second running back in tandem with him, somebody who's handling you know, 12 to 13 to 14 attempts on the ground strictly while Austin Eckler soaks up all the receptions in that backfield. And I think whether Justin Jackson or Joshua Kelly wins that job, whoever that is will be valuable. And I am in agreement that I've got Justin Jackson as the worst pick in this round, because I think that we've seen, like you said, he's just an average, average player. And, you know, if he wins, that'll be good for him. But, you know, I'm willing to bet on the unknown here. And if Joshua Kelly can provide anything, I think that he will, you know, usurp Justin Jackson, and that'll be a really valuable. Uh, pick especially going after justin jackson in drafts
1: uh full fate on on him for me i don't i think eckler is the guy there and i don't i really don't see joshua kelly being a factor in in the running back committee for la either so
0: okay that is fair let's move on to round 15 where the clear obvious worst pick is darius Geis, but you know every day his adp is dropping as less and less people draft him so i'll say that we you know don't count darius guys because that's too obvious and you know within the next week as people are doing their drafts he won't even be drafted hopefully and uh you know tell me what you like or dislike about this round 15
1: yeah i mean round 15 and you can get bryce love in round 15 i know we talked about him a little bit but this is the running back in Washington that I am making a priority to get in all of my drafts. Um, I have him in a couple of the dynasty leagues that we're in together. And this is a guy that is coming off of an ACL tear two years ago now, I want to say. And he was one, he was not one. He was the best running back in college football. Before he tore his ACL, finishing second in the Heisman Trophy running behind Baker Mayfield. This is a guy who hit 2,000 yards running at Stanford. Christian McCaffrey's teammate. He's actually hit up Christian McCaffrey for tips, tips and tricks at the running back position in the NFL. So if he's learning, from the best fantasy running back that we've seen, in, you know, in years, I think the sky's the limit for this dude, Bryce Love, and all reports out of camp have been just extremely high on Love and saying that he looks explosive, but it's all about, can, you know, he he's just got to get some in-game contact. He just has to get his feet under him, especially having no preseason. You know, he's had no game experience since he tore his ACL. Uh, two years ago, which is obviously concerning, but give me all the Bryce Love. It's just a high upside pick, and you're not going to find a guy like this in the 15th, 16th round in your drafts. He's the clear-cut best pick to make at the end of your drafts, and yeah, that that, that pretty much sums up Bryce Love for me.
0: You know what? I like what you're saying, and I like Bryce Love a lot as well. I'm also going to touch on a running back that I think has quite a bit of upside, although it might take an injury to get him there. And that's going to be Darrington Evans for the Tennessee Titans. I've been on Evans all along this off season. I think that the Titans invested a third round pick in him for a reason. And that is to back up Derrick Henry. Look, Derrick Henry, the big dog, he's not seeding carries to Darrington Evans. But if he were ever to go down, there is very little if anything at all behind Darrington Evans, I think Darrington Evans is, you know, an elite level handcuff in the sense that if Henry were to go down, he would be in a featured role on a team that's number one focus is running the ball. So drafting him this late, he may not offer that much standalone value, although reports out of Titans camp are that his receiving has been impressive to Tannehill and that he might be able to solidify himself in sort of a Dion Lewis plus role, uh, according to what Dion Lewis had last year. So, you know, maybe some light PPR standalone value, but I think absolutely just a ton of upside if Henry were ever to go down. So I'm going to be targeting Evans at the end of drafts for sure.
1: Yeah, and those are the guys that you want to be targeting at the end of drafts. I mean, you know, if you don't draft them, they're probably going to be sitting on your waiver wire, especially if you're playing with casuals, you know, in your family or in your friend group. But yeah, like, I don't mind drafting a guy like Darrington Evans or Reggie Bonifon just in case a guy like Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey goes down and you have that handcuff ready to go. But other than that, they'll sit on the waiver wire, uh, if you don't draft them in the 15th, 16th round of your redraft leagues. But other than that, yeah, I don't mind Evans. Um, he's not the worst pick you can make.
0: What do you dislike in this 15th round?
1: In this 15th round, you know, I, I was just talking about it. Like a lot of these guys are gonna, are gonna sit on the waiver wire if you don't draft them and, you know, potentially will have no fantasy relevance. So, I guess if I had to pick a guy, it would be Larry Fitzgerald. Just an absolute old man. He's definitely like 70 years old. <laughs> um, So I'm not drafting a guy that is at best like the 17th option in the Arizona Cardinals offense behind D-Hop, Christian Kirk, Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, Dan Arnold, Max Williams, who's a starting tight end, uh, probably even Andy Isabella, who they want to develop. So... Not drafting Larry Fitzgerald at all. He shouldn't be on anybody's fantasy teams. And he'll most likely sit on the on the waiver wire for the entire year.
0: You know what? I completely agree with you. I mean, Larry Fitz is a guy who is well behind Hopkins and Kirk and everybody else. So, yeah, I agree with that fully. And for me, it's going to be John Ross. And look, John Ross is actually a player that I like. And if he were in a different situation, I would have some interest in but going at pick 175.6 on underdog and probably undrafted in most of your redraft leagues, I think it should be that way. But just in case somebody out there is one of those guys who remembers John Ross, you know, just (laughs) burning up the combine with his insane 40-yard dash, don't be the guy who drafts him because they invested a lot in T. Higgins, you know, grabbing him with the first pick in the second round. I think he's going to get a shot AJ Green should be back healthy, and Tyler Boyd is solidified in the middle of the field there. And as you know, a guy who is probably going to go for a thousand yards again this season, maybe a little bit boring, but consistent as hell. So, yeah, John Ross, I think, is the odd man out. He's battled injury outside of a few. Big weeks last year has really done nothing to, you know, show that he can be that guy in the NFL, show that he is worth the draft capital that the Bengals spent on him. And when they selected T. Higgins with such a high pick, I think that that was kind of the nail in the coffin for John Ross, at least regarding his time in Cincinnati. Maybe we'll look to him in a future year on a new team, but I think that as long as he is a Bengal, he will not be drafted at
1: least by me. <laughs> yeah, he should not be drafted in redraft. I mean, at this point, he's only a dynasty stash or a, or an 18th round best ball pick. And, you know, he's at best like the 10th option in the Bengals offense. Yeah, Um, I, I'd, I'd rather have some of the Bengals offensive line <laughs> over John Ross. So I'm not. Yeah, I'm not drafting John Ross at all. But if I had to pick a guy that, you know, probably won't get drafted and a majority of redraft leagues, who I've been high on, who I've talked about already, Phillip Rivers. He's not going to get drafted in redraft, especially if your draft is 16 rounds. I know in our league, we go 18 rounds. We're kind of we kind of play more players in our league. We have like two or three flex spots. I can't even remember at this point. Uh, but Philip Rivers is a guy who's being drafted as the quarterback 26, just absolutely disrespectful. Uh, still put up 4,600 passing yards last year, 23 touchdowns. So not great in the touchdown category. But he's going into Indy, where he's going to have a great group of skill position players, a great offensive line, and a great offensive coordinator. I wouldn't be surprised if Phillip Rivers pushes top 15 in fantasy this year. The only knock against Phillip Rivers that I will mention is the potential for negative game scripts. They could be running the ball a lot, and they could also be in the lead. They have one of the softest schedules in the entire NFL in 2020, so that could definitely hurt his outlook for fantasy, but I'm all aboard Philip Rivers not even being drafted in redraft, uh, and redraft. And I have a lot of shares of him in best ball this year.
0: Yeah. And you said you think that he could be in that QB 15 range. Well, he hasn't finished lower than QB 15 since 2012. And over the last seven seasons, he's been a QB one five times. So yeah, Philip Rivers potentially with the best offensive line he's ever played in and a loaded you know core of guys around him is just just flat out being slept on by the entire fantasy community. And I'm glad that you and I both recognize that he is poised to have a great season. I do think that you hit the nail on the head there. And the only downside is that, you know, if the Colts are really good and, and they just, are able to run the ball they probably will so you know that's that's the one concern with him but still i think that you know he's got a relatively high floor and an underrated ceiling to be honest and for me a guy who i think has an underrated ceiling is miles boykin
1: who love you some miles boykin (laughs) (laughs)
0: look i love my i love me some miles boykin you know he is a deep deep sleeper an actual sleeper a guy that will not be drafted in your standard redraft league and look This has been something I believed in my heart but was nervous to talk about on the podcast because, you know, initially in the offseason, the Ravens might have been signing Antonio Brown. And then recently, they might have been signing Des Bryant. But no, they're not interested in Antonio Brown. Des Bryant worked out, left Baltimore without a contract. And today, when we're recording this, August 26th, The quote comes out from Greg Roman, offensive coordinator, that they're going to load up Boykin's plate a lot more this year and ask a lot more of him. Well, that correlates with how I expect this Ravens offense to look. I expect them to lean more on the passing game than they did previously. I think that Greg Roman's extremely sharp, and he's going to you know mix this offense up a little bit. And if they start passing the ball more, And I like Marquise Brown, but Miles Boykin is an absolute athletic freak. 6'4", 220, super fast, deep down the field option. I think he's got a lot of underrated upside, especially if Lamar Jackson is passing the ball more, takes another step as a passer in his third year. I just love Miles Boykin. I really do. I mean, the, the obvious concern is that, you know, run first team. Absolutely. But dude had 22 targets and three touchdowns on 13 receptions. I mean, he was a touchdown scoring machine. He's a big body. And something that this team doesn't really have outside, of maybe Mark Andrews, but give me the Miles Boykin in an elite offense with, you know, some room for guys to solidify themselves.
1: You know, if that's your guy for this year, then who am I to tell you that you're wrong? Uh, I don't really have anything to say about Miles Boykin. You know, he could be one of those guys that you know you don't draft, but you always have him in that waiver wire queue. That I know some some apps have, like Yahoo. You can you can star guys that you want to keep your eye on so he could be one of those guys that you sit and keep your eye on and uh target him throughout the year
0: yeah i'm I'm gonna have my eye on him pause um i I think that we've kind of really (laughs) wrapped it up we've gone through 16 rounds here we've talked about what we needed to talk about let's just close it out unfortunately some of you people out there still play in 2020 in leagues that have defenses and kickers i know it's tragic It's unfortunate. I'm in a group chat right now in one of my home leagues, you know, debating whether or not we can, you know, cut kicker. You know, Joey started that text off. I'm right there with him. Yup, cut him. We don't need kickers anymore. But if you are in a league that plays with defenses and kickers in 2020, we're going to give you our top, you know, defense and kicker (laughs) opinions. Joey, start us off.
1: (laughs) My top defense for this year that I would target And, you know, I really don't advise drafting a defense until the 18th round or 16th round, whatever is the last round in your leagues. But obviously the top defenses, you know, you could see them go off the board in the 13th, 14th round in your home leagues. I know we see it in our leagues where these buffoons just draft (laughs) defenses that early. Uh, It just blows my mind. I mean, if I had to pick one, obviously I'm going to pick the Patriots. They have one of the best. Uh, secondaries in the NFL with an underrated group of young pass rushers that I feel like, you know, they could, uh, they could surprise some people on that front. Yeah, I mean, they're being drafted as a top five defense, so it's not really like, oh, a sleeper defense, but that's one of the defense that you could most likely get in the 17th round maybe the 18th round, who knows, depending on who you're drafting with. But yeah, Patriots defense for me. And then obviously the obvious choices like the Niners, Ravens, etc.
0: Yeah. and, And I tried to find a sleeper here. So, you know, I haven't drafted a best ball team in my 200 best ball drafts that, you know, plays with defenses. So I had to look, you know, I don't know who's getting drafted where I wanted to find a sleeper. Went over to ESPN, looked at the rankings. You know, this will be typical of people drafting in your home leagues. And, you know, outside of the top 12, the one that stands out to me is the Chiefs. And this is simple. This has absolutely nothing to do with their personnel whatsoever. But, you know, gleaning some knowledge from Daily Fantasy, which is what I would consider Joey and my, you know, expertise to be in. You know, one of the best things you can look for in a defense on a week-to-week basis is game script and if you are attached to an elite offense what does that mean it means that you know your team is going to be playing from ahead and the other team is going to be passing the ball to try and catch up to you so Chiefs best offense in the league you can imagine throughout the year they're going to be playing with the lead often and what does that mean it means that the opposing quarterbacks are going to be throwing the ball more which leads to more dropbacks which leads to more sacks more interceptions and more fantasy scoring for the defense, so... If you can get defenses that are attached to elite offenses at a cheap price, I think that that is where you can get an edge in drafting defenses. I'm looking at the Chiefs and the Cowboys, who are both going outside of the top twelve defenses as options uh, that just simply fit from a game theory perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. I I agree with everything that you said, and you know I think that's enough talk about defenses. You shouldn't be you know using defenses in in 2020.
0: That but, is a you know cold, here we are hard fact. And, and speaking of you know, positions you shouldn't be using in 2020, kicker. And I only have one kicker that I want to talk about. And and it's the person who is kicking out anybody in your league that still wants to have kickers in 2020. That's who I vote for, for the number one kicker. No kickers in 2020. If I were a politician, that would be on my posters. No kickers 2020. Sign the petition at the DFSdose.com. Go look for it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We're starting it.
0: Look, this podcast has gone on entirely too long. We try to keep these around 45 minutes. God knows how long this is going to be after editing. So, you know, honestly, if you're still listening to this, thank you. You're a real one. We appreciate it. And I do believe that we gave a lot of good information in this redraft primer. So like Joey said, at the top of the show, you can support the podcast in a couple of easy ways. Subscribe on YouTube, follow us on any podcast platform that you use, Spotify, Apple, Podcast Addict, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. We are everywhere. The DFS dot com, where we've got a ton of you know content coming, rankings and a lot more coming throughout the NFL season. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover, B E N H A U V E R, Joey. Tell them where they can find you.
1: You can find me on Twitter at joey carrion dfs
0: thank you guys we will be back next week with a really exciting episode uh you know if you're listening to this and you're a redraft fan and you know you've thought about dfs maybe you haven't you know taken that leap into what it is or understanding how to play it beyond regular fantasy sports well we're going to be doing a dfs for beginners episode hoping to get some people some information so they can get out there and they can sail to the money So stay tuned, subscribe to the podcast, and we'll be back next week.